0: Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it is November 1st.
1: That's right.
0: Somehow, someway, November 1st. <laughs> the
1: month flew by because I remember... A- podcast episode that we recorded where you say, gentlemen, it's, it's October. Yeah, <laughs> Wasn't that recently? Yeah. Welcome
0: right. to At The Well, where you, are, you always know roughly when these are being recorded. <laughs> happy belated birthday, Jarrell. Indeed. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I am a Halloween baby, so we got to have a nice little masquerade uh, for uh, a, l- a loud car outside uh, for a birthday celebration yesterday. But yeah, it was a wonderful day thank you guys it's good to be able to share the day after with you
2: i guess it's always good to have a theme constantly for your birthday
0: it is is. (laughs) it's
2: It's a good thing you like halloween
0: (laughs) i do i just i don't know if i like halloween so much as i just love theatrics and pageantry (laughs) and so if it's like oh there's a costume it's like i'm listening (laughs) yes it, it is a good day good day to be born on if you're like me and really get into stuff like that there we go did Ali have a Halloween costume this year? She did. She was a cowgirl. It was Aww.
1: very simple, Aww. very simple Aww. costume. That's cute. And the boots, the boots, air quotes, um, <laughs> did not last very long. Um, still, but it, she was really cute. Did she just like rip them, or like how? What uh, to them? She she didn't like wearing them around the house because they're <laughs> difficult to walk in. So she we took them off,
0: <laughs> probably for for better for her safety instead of yeah. falling face first. <laughs> I'm imagining her in like these actual like, like spurs. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like came with the costumes.
1: <laughs> no, nothing like that.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet she's adorable. She was. As always. Well, okay, let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment, you can email us at threeguys at at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word in lowercase at gmail.com. So, this week's question comes from our friend Adam Berg, who submitted this question twice when we asked for them. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, one, I think he submitted, and then the, the second one was just to make sure that we got it. Okay. Um, and he's very serious about it. He asks, What is the best Disney movie soundtrack? Mm. He also caveats that if you say Frozen, he will be very upset. <laughs> so,. Tread lightly, Charles. Uh, Listen. We love Adam this. and we can't don't lose the listenership.
1: Don't worry, it's not frozen. <laughs> okay. But it's up there. <laughs> the key point is that he said soundtrack. Yes. Okay. So it's not like songs that like have lyrics, but I oh. I I focused on soundtrack. Oh, okay. So I'm very interested to hear because cause, cause So, for example, Frozen only has, like, I think six or less songs actually have lyrics. And then it has a whole, the soundtrack itself is a lot of, like, two or one minute, like, uh, musical clips that go along with the movie. Um, So, I don't, because of that reason, I don't think it's actually the best soundtrack. But I'm interested to hear what you guys.
2: So, I don't know what. My deal was when I was younger, but I was obsessed with jungle things apparently because my favorite things to rewatch were Tarzan and Jungle Book constantly. <laughs> I mean, um,
1: Phil Collins. So. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Phil Collins. The first movie I think I cried at was Tarzan. Tarzan. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, yes, hands down, Tarzan. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a respectful answer. Thank I respect you. that, because <laughs> Phil Collins. Yes, yes.
0: I like how Charles begins with, like, here are my qualifications for this. I'm going to sit back and let you two answer. I'm, I'm <laughs> really <I> <laughs> interested. I'm, really, I'm <laughs> genuinely interested.
1: I made a mistake. I actually wanted to hear what you guys were going to say without my, like, adaptation, or my <laughs> interpretation <laughs> take, of what sounded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate your I got. I got a little ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no.
0: I got to think of <laughs> Um I I really like the Tarzan soundtrack. I my dance with my mom at my wedding was You'll Be in My Heart. Um oh, that's so right. yeah. So that one that one hits home. Um I I thought about this for a bit. I guess if, if I were to say the, the most recent one mostly and I'm thinking mostly of songs because like that's that's how I like consider the question. But my more more recent one was Moana. I just mm. really like the music in Moana. Yep. Um it has like Individual standouts, but start to finish, it's like, oh, this is just really fun. Like, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Manuel Miranda, who we love on this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he did the music, and so much of it is just great and triumphant and like stirring mm-hmm. uh, and just silly. Uh, the Rock, My Dad and Yours sings in Moana. <laughs> 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 Which, what more can you ask for in a Disney movie? Um, but if I were to, okay. This is my niche hipster choice again based on songs. Oh, goodness. So Disney historically is not very good with movie sequels. Just no not. Agreed. If you I watched The Little Mermaid 2 recently oh, it is gosh. garbage. <laughs> but the exception to the rule in movie and soundtrack is Lion King 2. Lion King 2 does not have a skippable skippable track in the entire soundtrack. Like uh one of Us, We Are One, uh, My Lullaby, Love Will Find a Way. Like, they are, they're all so good. And it's snuck into this, this like, format that Disney typically don't do very well. And the movie itself is very good. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the first one that came to mind was Moana. And I was like, oh, but you know what? Lion King 2 is just banger after banger. I, I have not seen Lion King 2 in okay. such a long time. So,
2: I don't even remember the music, but I do remember the plot. And I do like the fact that Scar has a son. and Yeah. Or- is it, it his son or not really his? Son? I
0: believe it's his son. It is his. Son. Okay, and it's it, it's like it's basically Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's like line it uses is Hamlet.
2: I like lo- I loved it. Yeah, I don't um, remember the soundtrack though, so we have to rewatch. Yeah, it. I'm
0: gonna have to rewatch
1: it. Yeah. Um. Well, I so Lay it on, uh, Charles. my I I haven't thought about this a lot, but the Moana came to mind. Um, for sure, more recent, um, modern, uh, Disney animated classics. Um, but I think my answer is the Lion King, mm. uh, because I think the the soundtrack. If you think about not only like the songs, but just the soundtrack that accompanies the, the movie, incredible. it captures the essence of the scene, the emotions of the scene really well. Just think about the Stampede, mm. and and like there is no lyrics, yeah. but Hoop-hop, <laughs> Hoop-hop, <laughs> Hoop-hop, like you get, you get caught up in the what is happening yeah, um, yeah that, actually that 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 little bit wasn't the, from that not was from, Stampede, is it mm, I don't know I'm getting I'm confused but anyway it, it, all of the the or, orchestral uh, pieces really fit each scene and capture the emotion really well I think that's no that is an excellent nice. choice it is I have
0: said multiple times to various people that when I imagine that when, God calls me home. I will enter heaven to this 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 land. The like the the scene when Simba's ascending Pride Rock at the end of the movie. Oh and yeah, and the music's just swelling, like <laughs> oh my goodness, it's just so beautiful. And it's just like to your point, perfect for like this battle they just fought and the journey they've been on, and now the dust is slowly clearing, and it's like he's coming home. So like I genuinely imagine like yep, that's it. That is the soundtrack to like walking through. <laughs> wow. The pearly gates. God
2: has ordained angels to to, to just like practice now. <laughs> You're flat. You're flat.
0: <laughs> I hope so. Um, that's a that's a very good answer, Charles. Lanking in general, I think, is seen as like a great soundtrack, but I don't think of it in that way. And that's that's mm-hmm. excellent. I love that. Wonderful. Let's get into it. So this week we are continuing with our third season of Who the She Bears Ate. We've been having a lot of fun just putting this together and talking about it. And this week's passage is from Leviticus chapter 24, verses 10 through 23. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. A fight breaks out in camp. Two men of differing parentage duke it out over who knows what, really. The crowd rushes in to break them up. They're separated, still spitting threats and curses at one another. And then it happens. One of the men, in the same breath that he cursed his opponent, also blasphemes God himself. Oh no. A solemn quiet falls over the camp as the man is separated from the crowd while Moses seeks the Lord for wisdom on what to do with him. The man's mother holds her breath, awaiting the verdict. She knew how severe the penalty could be, but still, she hoped it would be different. Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the children of Israel. And this Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought each other in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. And so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalomoth, and the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of Dan. Then they put him in custody, that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take outside the camp him who is cursed. Then let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. Then you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin, and whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as him who is born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, animal for animal. If a man causes disfigurement to his neighbor, as he is done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he caused disfigurement of a man, so shall it be done to him. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it, but whoever kills a man shall be put to death. You shall have the same law for the stranger and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the children of Israel and they took outside the camp him who had cursed and stoned him with stones. So the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. All right, gentlemen, it's a pretty pretty grim tale we're we're starting off with here today. immediate takeaways or just thoughts or like context for this story.
2: So as this season of ours focuses on spiritual leadership, two things stand out to me in terms of, yeah, two things in terms of leadership. One is God's leadership and the next is the leadership of the assembly of Israel. So through Moses, right? Um, God could have smote this unnamed young man right on the spot Mm -hmm. for saying whatever he said to just to besmirch his name um but instead he put the honor of enacting justice upon his people Mm. Mm. um and this speaks to the notion of god training his people his disciples us um in the world to see his name and glory as precious and worthy of being defended Mm. um And now, as you pointed out, Jarrell, in your explanation, we don't know what this young man said because the author of Leviticus obviously isn't going to, like, write out a blasphemous (laughs) (laughs) statement in Scripture. (laughs) He's not going to do that. Um, But the next thing I appreciate about the response to the blasphemous statement is that they put him in custody until the the will of the Lord uh, should be made clear to them. So at this point, Israel already knew through the Ten Commandments don't don't take the don't, don't take the lord's name in vain um but this assembly of Israel waited on God for specific directions and whether you're a church leader or a parent in the home uh I, I read this account as an encouragement to go to God in prayer or consult scripture or speak to a wise brother and sister in order to get a word of wisdom from the lord um, we want to do God's will and we don't want to thoughtlessly react just because we recognize that something is off. Um, so those are my two takeaways. Ooh, those are good weird. ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think I'm struck by the fact that, um, that this it like, everyone knew that this was something bad just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if it was like the first time that it happened <laughs> or it's the first time it's recorded, but they were like, Oh, something happened. Um, so I was just struck by like, this must have been a pretty significant fight yeah. for for the for the emotions of this one guy to get wrapped up so much that he you know swears against the guy and then ends up swearing against the lord like yeah. there this must have been something big was going mm-hmm. down and that that was the one thing that struck me is because the entire camp was like <gasps> yeah yeah you know.
0: yeah yeah no it's it's really so that yeah it's just this happens, and everyone's like, oh, no. Like, this is a thing that has to now be dealt with. And probably because they knew the law, and they knew, like, this is something that we know what should happen, but, like, what's actually going to gonna shake out. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Eli, I, I agree with your point. I think the word that came to mind when I was reading this and reflecting on it was consequences. Um, and there are a couple ways we can talk about it. I'll start with just one of them. And, like, to your point, Eli, being someone who is entrusted with the, a flock of God and entrusted to lead that flock also means being entrusted with, at times, levying consequences for the flock. And this really struck me in not only seeking just and like righteous and reasonable consequences for things, like get seeking the Lord for them and, and by way of counsel, but also just the need for us to be a people who allow the people in our charge to learn from their mistakes and to learn from consequences. And so I'm gonna try not to get too soapboxy here, but I've tutored, been a camp counselor, coached and taught kids as young as four to as old as 19. And one of the most consistently crippling things I've seen in parents or in organizations or in schools is taking an attitude towards discipline that says, I just want to shield youth from consequences. Wow. Like, I, I just don't want them to actually have to deal with the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And, you know, God is a God of justice and he's a God of mercy. And I'm not saying this to say that, like, get on, like, punishing your kids, parents. But I do think that in the way that the Lord deals with us, he doesn't save us from all of our con- the consequences of sin. Um, He saves us from the ultimate consequence of sin, and that's who Jesus is and what he came to do. But God doesn't just remove the consequences from turning away from him. Like scripture is littered with people who sit with the mistakes that they've made and the choices that they've made. And God uses that to inform his mercy and to inform his justice for those people. Like in 2 Peter 3, Uh, It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord uses the natural consequences of sin to bring us to repentance. And I think that as someone, if you're in a position of authority or you are shepherding someone, one of the worst things you can do is just keep people from that, is to keep people from naturally what occurs when we turn away from the Lord or when we harm Uh, someone else like consequences are kind of a dirty word like they evoke a visceral reaction sometimes but it's a one of the ways that god teaches Uh, mercifully but justly and it's really damaging to just pass people along because you're afraid to be quote unquote the bad guy Uh, like there's a courage that a courage and a wisdom that needs to come with being someone in that position and like we need to seek that out so that we can lean into those moments as Moses did, with righteousness, justice, and mercy.
2: Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. I'm one. I'm like so happy that this is the platform that you get to use to <laughs> talk about teaching, like what you experience with the job. Because mm. I know we both had, like, both Charles and I've had conversations with you about <laughs> <laughs> just what you witness on the job being a teacher, and you experience so much of other people's kids. Um, you're with them. For as long as it essentially a job's worth of time, you know, nine to five. Um, but like, in terms of sort of like the swiftness of God's justice or like how exacting it is, um, there's like a solemnity to this as to this execution, right? There's mm-hmm. like this because as I was reading it, it's like, okay, this fight broke out, all this sort of all these things happen, and then there's this big oh no, oh, yikes, he said this thing, what do we do now? But there's a point where, like, the emotion is turned off in the way that these things are written about. Mm. Like, it is it is so much so he was held in captivity. Uh, God's people wanted to know what God had to say about it. God gave instructions. They follow through with it. Mm. And there's this there's these little tidbits of um, process that go on with it. So we notice that the that the people who heard him laid their hands on him, mm. and that like. I I called that called in a question for me like what were they talking what were they praying over him what was being said yeah and so then I went to a commentary it's uh Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible and he says before the Assembly of Israel stoned this unnamed young man the witnesses of his crime were to lay their hands upon his head Uh, typically in Jewish culture they say that this was used in the execution not of criminals but of blasphemers specifically Mm. and uh that it was done with the following words obviously in ancient hebrew not in english um thy blood be upon thine own head Mm. for thou thyself has occasioned it let no blame be laid on the law judges juries or witnesses if thou scornest thou alone shall bear it there is this complete and total this is on you the justice that you're experiencing is because of the things that you have done. You cannot blame God. You cannot blame the people around you. You cannot blame society at large. It's you, you made this decision. Mm. And the, and so there is something, um, so overwhelming to read this because like we're Christians. And so we have been blessed with God's mercy and in that God took all of that for us, Mm. right? Like Jesus Christ on the cross, our blood was on his head. Mm. Um, And so when I read this, I'm thankful because I've done things that are worthy of like my own destruction Mm. and I was rescued from that. And so for them to be face-to-face with that is, I I, I was shaken up, I was a little bit terrified in reading that, I was like, um, (sighs) yikes. Mm-hmm. Um God is a God of mercy, yes, but also a God of justice. Mm-hmm. Um and He discerns when to allot those things to the people He calls His own. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's a good word.
1: Maybe I'll transition us to another sure. uh separate point. Um I so when I was reading this passage, um the I, I one thing stuck out to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that was That The story really indicates that the man, or the men, uh, unclear who started what or or whatever, (laughs) but that they didn't know how to control their temper. Mm -hmm. Specifically this man, where he let his emotions um, get so impassioned that he blasphemed against the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, He had no control over his tongue, his emotions, his passions. Um, And I think when we talk about shepherding the flock, I think that this can sometimes get pushed to the back um especially when uh people give in to children's needs or not not needs but their wants mm-hmm. um but there, there, the, i saw this as a lack of instruction on how to handle the imo- emotions properly mm-hmm. and in this case but i think in all cases when there is a lack of understanding of how to um prudently wisely and healthily um navigate emotions it leads to sin mm. and in this case it led to death and i was just thinking about it um just like looking at a bunch of sins um and that there's actually a lack of control of certain emotions lust is a lack of control and chastity hate, um, hate is a lack of control of anger judgment and pride is a lack of control of humility mm. laziness is a lack of control of discipline greed and gluttony is a lack of control of or lack of self-control mm. um and so if we look at these things, these emotions are getting wrapped up our emotions, letting our emotions lead the train. Um, they're not well grounded and passions can lead, uh, to sin, which leads to death. Um, and I, like I just said this is in the case of the story, it's physical death, but in the case of us, because of what Christ did on the cross, I thought that was a really beautiful point there, Eli. Um, it leads to a spiritual death, not a physical death. Yeah. Um, and I, and I felt encouraged um, as someone, as a parent, but also as someone who works in ministry and works with um, young adults, um, and encouraged for, for all those who work with youth um, to have a care and concern for instruction on emotional health mm-hmm. and well being um, and, and how to handle emotions well. Um, because there's a place for anger. There's such things thing as righteous anger. There's a place for grief. There's a, there's a place for passion, um, but it needs to be uh, controlled and it needs to be um, taught how to do that. And we can't neglect this area because I want to give in to my child's needs, i.e. because... Um, I just want to sit in my grief. I want to sit in this, I want to stew in this anger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we handle that in a Christian way? How do we handle that in a way that Christ would say this, you know, that is is um, appropriate. Um, and I was thinking about Aaliyah um, and a specific situation of it. Like Aaliyah actually gets really frustrated really easily. And her, mm-hmm. her reaction to that is to cry mm-hmm. um, or to scream. And, Um, like when she can't do something, like if she can't open something or if she wants something, uh, she gets frustrated that it doesn't come immediately. Um, and so there's, there's, you know, she's 15 months old, so there's not a whole lot you can do, but I also like, I don't want this to become a pattern. Um, so even now... Chelsea and I are trying our hardest as well as you can to a 15 month old to teach her patience. Mm-hmm. Like you have asked politely, she knows how to sign please. And mm-hmm. we ask her, can you ask politely? And she'll sign please. But oh. then when something doesn't appear <laughs> immediately, she gets upset, <laughs> <laughs> she cries out. And we have, Aaliyah, you need patience. Wait, we're working on it. <laughs> and also just because you ask please doesn't mean you're always gonna okay. get what you want. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh. Um, so I was just like, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Like emotional intelligence emotional health might not be the appropriate developmental thing right now but i want to get in the habit Mm. as a parent of teaching that early on so that i don't become lax in it because i think it's so important um because if emotions as i said emotions can lead to sin and sin leads to death and my job as a parent is to instruct my kids in the way they should go instruct them to not let um Things lead them to sin. And one of those things is emotion. So how do we handle that? How I want to teach them how to handle emotions well in a Christian Mm. way.
2: Mm. We better preach.
0: Right? That just so much in what in what you just said there. No, absolutely. I think and to that point, it's it's a grace that God gives us to handle with him. Like one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And I think when we enter into that knowing that like, okay, this is I don't have to be ruled. By my emotions, it's not just this wishful thinking uh, that we have that's based on society. It's like no, the Lord has self-control for us as a fruit of being in His Spirit, and like we can count count on the fact that when we aim to order ourselves, it's not just us dragging our emotions along and just like trying to force them into the right spots. It's partnering with God as He also ministers to us in our emotions and helps us to deal with them. Like there's there's promise there. It's like something he wants wants to give us, right. um, and I think as well like, to your point about <clears throat> Aaliyah. It's adorable, by the way. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think it's, it's it's absolutely right to that point. Like that's why we don't we reasonably, but that's why we don't immediately shield our kids away from consequences or just from things that they could perceive as is, is negative. Where it's like yeah, you ask for something politely and sometimes you wait and you don't just give in to like, oh, they're upset, so I'll just like change it. It's, yeah, the courage necessary to lean into the Lord for the grace to be someone that can shepherd someone through handling their emotions is something that is so necessary in anyone in leadership because otherwise we just turn to like our default ways of dealing with things and we return to just like uh, I, I'm going to deal with the action itself and I'm not going to follow up with what the emotion is. Um, yeah, so much there. I, I could ramble on that for a bit. Um, I think as well, one thing that stuck out to me in terms of uh, shifting gears a bit from being like the, the shepherd of someone who's entrusted by God, like people to lead, to now someone who is shepherded by the good shepherd. One thing that I took out of this is the fact that sin always has consequences. Like, even if it's not, like this is obviously a very serious uh, thing and it's a very grim story of like an ultimate consequence for this this man. Um, but sin always has consequences and most of them are very subtle and most of them are just very natural consequences to turning away from the Lord. And there is something that the Lord kind of spoke to me is very convicting of to pray for a heart's that is sensitive to the consequences of my sin, even the subtle ones that I don't even recognize. Cause as you said, Charles, like sin leads to death. And sometimes in this case, it's an immediate um, judgment, but sometimes it's death by a thousand cuts. And mm. it's a gradual buildup of resentment, of mm. disordered thinking, of brokenness, of uh, yeah, just a lot of unhealthy habits. Like sometimes our sin, yields consequence in very slow, gradual ways, that if we are not leaning into the Lord to be sensitive to those things, it does lead to death in time, like it will get you eventually. And there's something there is like people who are consistently being shepherded by Jesus to say like, Lord, make me aware of these things, make me aware of the natural consequences of my sin that I would learn to not walk in them. Um, like in John chapter three, it says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does, who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And like, I kind of took this analogy of light and like the idea of natural consequences of sin. It's like, if you're in a place, like say you're in this, my wife and I just watched The Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus for Halloween. But imagine if you're in this massive house and you have to get from like one floor of the house to the bottom floor to leave, but you've never been in it before. And there's a light switch on the wall next to you. If you turn off the light and just start walking, like you may not immediately hit like a trap door and like fall to your death, but you're going to bump into a bunch of stuff. Like you're going, you might trip at one point. You might get even deeper lost into the house. And like, that's what natural consequences of sin are. It's not this immediate judgment all the time, but it's just what happens when you choose not to walk in the light of the Lord. And if we don't have a sensitivity to that, then slowly we are eroded spiritually. And I think that's a practice that I need to take on more. And it's something that we should instill in people that we're leading as well.
2: Amen. Um, Just as like, I think my final uh, note um, is that in training of children, whether they're your own or whether you're a youth minister or you run a ministry or anything, The question to ask is like, why, why is God's name worthy of being protected? Mm. Why is, uh, why don't you say his name in vain? And the follow up question is for that is why would you slander the name of love? Mm. Like, Mm. why would you slander the one who, who gives provision? Like if every, if the only thing that God gives is good, then to slander him is to not know him, is to not know his identity, is to not be grateful for who he is, is to not, is to like identify something evil with God, to say <clears> that he is somehow worthy of being misjudged, mischaracterized, misnamed, like that's what it means. And so like for this for this young man to have sense, even in a fight, like I don't care what you're fighting about, <clears throat> what what did god have to do with the evil going on in that little brawl that you were ha- in that scuffle that you were having with this other boy like right. what what did that have to? there was something in his heart that mm. came out in his anger that was already there that like the circumstances uh brought forth like that it wasn't just because of the fight which is why i think god was so which is why god allowed the called for the death of this young man like mm. there's something in you that you have not curved that you like you're amongst my people called to worship me, given things to sustain you, and yet you still persist in hating me. Mm. That can't be allowed to fester and live, and certainly can't be allowed to to thrive or influence the people around you. Like removing something cancerous. It it, it all needs to go. Mm. It, it it is both terrifying, like work your faith out in fear and trembling, but there is also this okay, Lord, because I understand your nature, because I understand that you are good, I'm not going to characterize you in ways that are damning Mm -hmm. because I know that you are not worthy of that. Mm. Um, I know that you support me and that you love me. And so why would I ever call into question your, your characteristics? But yeah, that's, that's what I've been pondering now. And it's like, okay, God, where do I do that? And where, where am I like way off base and where do I need to, where do I need to like in humility, repent? Good stuff, guys. Yeah, amen.
0: You know. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching three guys at the Well" and head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going and space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.